Welcome, everyone. It's good to uh, see you all this weekend at Grace. And uh, we're starting a series that we're calling You Plus Hope. And we're going to kind of get into a Christmas conversation and talk through kind of exactly what God did, why he did what he did, how he did what he did, and then uh, translate that into our lives, how we're to kind of receive that, interact with it, and then what might motivate us, what we might do with it. Uh, to kind of get into this conversation, I really want to have a, a little bit of a different type of a, of a conversation this weekend where I just want to sit and kind of lay out this idea of you plus hope. And I want to do that by talking about the difference between wishes and hope. And so let's just kind of dig at this a little bit. Um, in our culture, we use the word hope uh, kind of loosely, and, and that, it's not really bad, it's, it's not good or bad, it just is, right? It's just the way that we would talk. So when we would, when we would express hope or kind of offer hope to someone, uh, if we were saying that in a normal sentence in our culture, we would say something like, hey, I hope you have a good birthday, right? Or we would say, I hope you have a safe trip home. Or I hope, uh, I hope you have a, a good marriage or whatever. You know, we, we would look at someone and as a act of kindness and politeness, we would throw the word hope in and say, hey, I hope this happens or I hope that happens or I hope we get to, you know, go to the Bahamas over Christmas break, uh, that kind of a thing. And when we use the word hope, what, what we tend to mean by it is if my life could play out the way I want it to, this is what it would be. And then we'll offer that as like a greeting or an act of kindness to the people around us. I, I, I uh, desire for your life and your expectations to play out this way uh, because I care about you. I want to be kind to you. And we'll say, so I hope you have a great birthday party or I hope that uh, you have a, you know, a good trip or whatever. And what we mean by that, I, I desire for things to work out the way that you desire for them to work out if we were kind of parsing the words, what we mean is wishes. I wish, if, if my desire could be what I desire it to be, I wish, I wish you a, a good birthday. I wish that you have a trip. I wish, we desire something, but there's really, it's not really rooted in anything, right? So there's no, there's no like truth behind it. There's no structure behind it. There's no power behind it. We're just being polite. I, I wish you a Merry Christmas. I hope you <laughs> a Merry Christmas. And we'll talk that way to each other. And it's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And it's kind of polite. It's kind of nice. It's just the way that we would speak. But we would use this, this word hope in that process. Now, what we should clarify a little bit is this, that when the Bible uses the word hope, it uses it completely differently. So there's nothing wrong. It's not like this is against the Bible. It's just the way we talk. But when the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about something and about something specifically. So if I use hope the way that we use it in our culture, if I apply that to like biblical truth, I'll make that biblical truth mean something it, it's not actually intended to mean. So in the culture, hope, I desire for your desires to play out the way that you desire it to be. That's a lot of desires, but it's the only sentence I could think of to describe all that, okay? That's what we think of. In the Bible, the word hope means confidence. I place my hope, my confidence, it means strength, it means anchored, it means cemented. Hope in the Bible is this unmoving 
idea. It's not like wishes, like I hope your wishes come true. I, I might say, if I was using the biblical idea of hope, I might say, I have placed my hope in nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. That's an old song. And what I mean by that is, I have absolute confidence in who Christ is. I have absolutely locked in my salvation with Jesus Christ alone. I, without question, believe that Jesus is God and I need to have his forgiveness. And I've placed my hope in that. Placed my hope in nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. What I'm saying is, as a Christian, I have chosen to stake my eternal soul on Jesus Christ. I put my hope in that. That's a lot different than like, I wish you a Merry Christmas, right? It's a a completely different concept. So wishes are fine, they're good, they're fun, it's it's not a big deal at all, it's just the way that we talk, the way we throw the word hope in. But biblically, hope is this whole other deal where I would look as a Christian and I would say I have hope in the person of Jesus Christ. I have hope in the salvation that he offers. I have hope in the forgiveness of my sin. I place my hope, my eternal hope in Jesus being who he is and welcoming me into forgiveness and into eternal life, okay? I hope you have a great birthday. Jesus is the hope of the world, okay? It's a big deal. So when we talk about hope, it's just important to clarify those two things. Now, when you bring all that then into like the Christmas deal, and we're looking at the holiday season, the Christmas season, this is where this parsing this becomes a little bit important because the Christmas season in our culture is rooted in wishes, right, wishes. Uh, and when you think about Christmas and you think about kind of our expectations of Christmas, they're, they're rooted in wishes. So I would look and say, man, my family's coming over for the holidays, I hope we have a great time which means I wish we have a great time because I, don't, I can't really control it because there's that one person in my family and you never know how they're gonna show up at the house, right? Or if you were a little kid, you might say, man, it's Christmas time, I'm excited. I hope I get a Nintendo DS for Christmas, which my children hope and they're not getting. I'm letting you know. Let's see, where's the camera? You're not getting it for Christmas. So it's now it's recorded, so, right? So we would look say, I have this hope and what we mean is wishes, or man, I hope we have a great Christmas time. I hope the mall isn't crowded. I, I hope that that the you know the the music is good at church. All this kind of things, and it's it's wishes, and it's fine. There's nothing like sinful about this. It's fine. It just kind of is what it is. It's anchored in this desire or this expectation that we we desire to play out. Right? We we hope that it's going to be like this. And most of what we expect at Christmas is in that realm. In fact, we'll, we'll, we'll have that expectation so strongly that we'll interact with each other differently because of it. So if I go to the mall on, uh, on a particular Tuesday in February and you steal my parking spot, I'm gonna get out or I'm gonna have Heidi get out of the car and beat you up. That's what's gonna, <laughs> what's gonna happen. If I go to the mall on a particular Tuesday in December and you cut me off to my, to my car, I might look at you and say, man, come on, it's Christmas. I have this expectation that you would act differently. If somebody broke into somebody's house and stole things in like March, we would be like, we live in Northeast Ohio, what else is there to do, right? You know, and so, 
But if they did that in, in December 22nd, we would quickly rally together money and repurchase the Christmas presents for somebody because we would say, well, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. Everybody should have a good Christmas. Everybody's expectation should be met and we want that to, to happen. So the music and the, the food and the fun, and it's all fine. We're gonna have presents at my house and the big guy's gonna show up on Christmas Eve at my house and we're all gonna put on 10 pounds at my house and it's, it's fine. But it's, it's really no different than the 4th of July or Labor Day or you know, President's Day. It's no different than any other holiday where we would look forward to like a vacation, have a change of expectation, expect that that's gonna cause us to function together differently as a family and enjoy it, right? We would have the, if we were taking the kids to Disney World in July, we would have the same expectations, right? You better have fun, we're gonna enjoy each other and we're gonna walk away broke. See, same expectations. And, and, and it's just, it's because it's wishes, it's expectations, okay? Now that's all fine. It's just the culture and, and we're a Christianized culture. And so we attach those expectations to Christmas instead of Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, right? It's, it's, it's no big deal, it's just the way that we function. Now, as a Christian, when I look at Christmas, I'm gonna see it differently. Because when I look at Christmas, I might participate in all the party. In fact, I, I will, right? I, I love getting gifts. I encourage you to buy them for me. Gift cards or cash is completely acceptable either way, right? So it's all fun. But I'm going to look and say, now, wait a minute. I have hope in Christmas. Because Christmas is something different than vacation, than a break from the norm. Because as a Christian, I'm going to look at Christmas I'm gonna see the act of Christmas, and I'm gonna equate that with one of the foundational things that God did, and the result of it is my soul was rescued from sin and death. If God had not looked at his son Jesus and intervened, if Jesus had not been willing to change the course of humanity, then salvation would have never occurred. Jesus showed up, he was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he died an innocent death, he rose again. My salvation of my soul, my eternal life is tied to Christmas. So in the middle of all this fun, there's like this sobering thing that happened and I'm gonna look at it at that depth. In fact, the Bible is gonna show me and teach me that that's the depth or kind of the magnitude of what happened. I put a couple passages in your notes. You can look at them real quick. So like Hebrews chapter two, verse 14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the mall and I'm gonna enjoy all these kind of things, not the mall, but other stuff. I'm gonna enjoy, right, at Christmas. And that's all fine, but I'm gonna look and say, and or but, what Christmas is really about is, I was born into sin. I was born consequently into spiritual death. I was trapped in the power of spiritual death and Christ showed up. He put skin on so that I could understand him and relate to him. He lived sinlessly. He died innocently. He rose again by his own power from the dead. 
He broke the power of sin and death in my life, and that's a big chunk of what Christmas is about for me. Vacation's fun, but Christmas is a holy time because of the magnitude. I put my hope in what happened at Christmas. Uh, another example of this is over in Romans. I put this in your notes too. Romans chapter five, <clears throat> verses six and eight. You see that just at the right time while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I'm gonna look at Christmas, and I'm gonna see it as an illustration of the intentionality of God. Where God, he didn't come to bail me out. He didn't, he didn't come because he was fed. He didn't come. I'm not a sinner in the, in the hand of an angry God waiting to be squished. God on purpose stepped out of heaven to rescue me, the sinner. I'm in spiritual death in my heart. I'm shaking my fist at God. And as I'm doing that, Christ came and was born. As I'm doing this, Christ died for me. Christ rescued me. I am a sinner who is the object of a loving, compassionate, intentional God who made what the Bible calls a way of escape for me. So I'm going to look at Christmas and be like, the, you know, the party's fun. It's all good. But man, if that hadn't happened, if God hadn't showed up on the planet, I would be hopeless. And I can take my, I have confidence, I've chosen by faith to have confidence in who Christ is and what he did and what he said he would do. And so Christmas has this whole other level to me. Doesn't mean that all this is like of the devil. It just means that, man, there's this whole other thing that when I look at Christmas, that's really what I'm celebrating and holding on to, okay? So we live in a culture that has Christmas wishes, which are, they're fine, it's no big deal. But when we look at the act of Christmas, it's a place that we would anchor our hope, the rescuing of our soul. Now this is, this is where now it gets a little funky, right? Because we live in a Christianized culture, when we go and we hear Christmas music, when we turn on whatever radio station is playing Christmas music 24 hours a day, which you like December 2nd, and you want to blow up December like 20th, because you're sick of it, right? When you hear all of that mixed together, what you have is the wishes and the hope are all presented as the same thing. So I hear jingle bells, jingle bells jingle all the way, along with silent night, holy night and it all comes out as tradition, see? I hear Rudolph, the red-nosed birth defect reindeer <laughs> who needs medical attention, right? With hark the herald angels sing, or joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Wishes, we wish you a Merry Christmas, the Lord stepped out of heaven. See, and it all mixes together, and it's just, it's culturalized, and this is not, this is not a big plot of the devil, it's just, it just is, it just is, and so we find ourselves then at Christmas, and we have 
I hope you have a great Christmas, and my hope is in Christ, and we're actually talking about completely different things, right? Now, there's two ways that you have to kind of look at this and two kind of groups of people that would govern responses to this. So, some of us are here, and many of us are in the culture, who when we think about Christmas, we think about wishes. And we, we wish, we, we wish you a Merry Christmas and we wish the family got along and, and we, we, we wish for Norman Rockwell and we wish for chestnuts roasting by the open fire and we wish that the kids were happy and we wish that we finally gathered together. And those things are good and fine, they're mostly benign. But we all know that the Christmas spirit the way that we look and say, man, if we could function this way all the time, if we could enjoy each other all the time, if we could be generous with each other all the time, if both sides would stop shooting and, and on Christmas Eve, both sides were singing Silent Night back and forth to each other on the front line, this Christmas wish, like we wish the world would function this way, we all know that it's going to go away approximately 12.01 a.m. January 26th, right? And it's back to the mall, and it's back to full contact. And we know it, and we know it's the Christmas spirit. And we know from experience that no matter how much we wish or how much we try, we cannot maintain that interaction with each other. We've tried, we've hoped, we've been frustrated, we've attempted, and we've done this through the course of humanity, and it, we know it's going to go away. And we know on January 15th, the credit card bills are gonna come. And we know that reality's gonna hit. Because it's vacation, and you don't live on vacation. You go on vacation, and then you come back, right? So we know that's a situation. I would submit this, though. I would submit the reason that this desire is there is because human beings long for hope. And I want, the, I want peace, I want security, I want joy, I want meaning, I want fulfillment, I want selflessness, I want that. It's written on my heart. I don't know where to get it, so I rely on the spirit of Christmas. So there's a group of us that that's where we live, and there's a, there's a lot of people in the world that live that way. It's not fine, you're not dumb, it's nothing like that, it just kind of is what it is. But it's not attached to Christ, it's not attached to hope. So the question that you kind of have to wrestle with and think through is, have I ever attached that to hope? Like I long for, I'm longing for godliness is really what I'm longing for, but I've never gone to Jesus to get it from him can I, should I, could I make that attachment? Has there ever been a time in my life where I on purpose looked to Jesus and said, you know what, I believe that you're God. I accept what you say about me, that I'm a sinner. I accept what you say about yourself, that you're the only path to salvation. And I receive that. I, I'm gonna lock into Christmas for what it really is, and I'm gonna place my hope on nothing less than you. Would you forgive me? Define me, direct me, I'll follow you. So some of us need to ask that question and, and wrestle with it. That's like one group. And there's another group of us. And the other group of us need to look and say, 
When I look at all the wishes, they're fun, I enjoy them, sometimes they get on my nerves, but I cut through that to the depth of Christmas, and I have discovered and received hope. I've, I've accepted who Christ is, who Christ is has changed my life, my life is built off of who Christ is, I have anchored my hope in Christ, in Christ alone, and those of us who have done that need to look at the Christmas season and say, what do I do with that? Do I hoard it, keep it? Do we kind of huddle around the nativity set and sing Silent Night? Or do I take on the intentionality that God took on and export and spread and proclaim the hope that I have found in Jesus Christ? Now it's fascinating when you start thinking about this. If I, if I took myself plus Christ, what could God do? If I took what I, who I am and what I have discovered about Christmas and the power and the wonder and the truth about Christ himself, those two things are united in my salvation. I'm defined and directed by Jesus now. What could God do through me plus hope, through you plus hope? That's fascinating, the Apostle Paul, he asked this question. And he does it in Romans chapter 10. Grab your Bibles if you got them, go there. Romans chapter 10. And you'll see it. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It's page 788 in the Bibles that are in the chairs there. And he asks this question. And he says this. First he starts in verse 13 with the, with the declaration that we just talked about. Verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So everyone who kind of graduates from just wishes to hope and says, Christ, I, I believe that you're God. I believe that you raised from the dead. Uh, I believe what you said about myself. I believe you're the only path salvation. I, I ask for your, your forgiveness. The Bible says you'll receive it. And I want you to define and direct my life. I'm placing my hope. I'm staking my eternal soul on you and you alone, right? So this is what Paul's saying. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he asks a series of questions. And he, he's not asking these questions to people who need to call on the name of the Lord. He's asking these questions down to people who have you plus hope. And he asks this question. The first thing he says is this, verse 14. How then can they call on one of whom they have not believed? How then can they call on, on the one whom they have not believed? How can I ask Christ for salvation if I've never believed he was God? Because I, I always just equated Christ with the spirit of Christmas. I, I, it, it's December, everybody knows what the songs are gonna be. It's December, everybody knows the nativity sets are gonna go up. It's Christmas, everybody knows like, that that's the way it's gonna play. And so I, I've never believed in Christ, I've just participated in the spirit of Christmas. So he says, how can they call on one who they, who they have not believed? Then he asks another question, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? If I, if, if, I, if I never heard Jesus was God, because I was just like coexisting, I thought it was the time, that Christmas was when we all got along. 
And Christmas was when we all decided to quit being inhumane to each other and be kind. I thought Christmas was when the best of humanity surfaced. I didn't, I didn't know that all of that was driven by an act of God. I didn't know that the reason that generosity is associated with Christmas was because of the generosity of God giving his only son. I didn't know that so many of these traditions are tied back to the Christmas narrative, the historical account of what happened. And I didn't, I didn't know that. So he asked a logical question. How can they call one of whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And then he asked this question. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? The way that we would say that today, we would say, how can they hear unless somebody tells them? If nobody does the math, how, how would you do it? See? If I grow up in a culture where Silent Night, Holy Night is a Christmas carol, not a declaration of truth, if I, if I see banners on wreaths that say, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, and I, I always thought that that was the best of humanity, not a declaration from God that he was making peace with humanity by offering his son for the forgiveness of our sin. If no one ever told me, how in the world would I ever put that together? So Paul looks and he says, hey, you can't, you, you can't call on something you don't believe in. You can't believe in something you never heard about. And, and you, you can't hear about something unless someone tells you. And, and all of us who are followers of Jesus, somebody did that math for us. Maybe when we were a little kid, our mom and dad did it for us. Maybe as an adult, we, we came to a church event or whatever. It, but somewhere along the line, someone did math for us that 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 baby in the manger is not a, a traditional figurine that we as a Christian would look and say, that is God incarnate is the big word. It's God with skin on. And that God coming with skin on is this enormous, unbelievable, almost unfathomable act of love toward people who were rebelling against him. That God didn't come to get you he came because he loves you. Even while you're shaking your fist at him, he stepped out of heaven, he showed up on the planet. And the manger is the first step to the cross. Well, how would anybody know that? See, Unless somebody told them. How would you know that? How, would, how did I know that? Somebody told me that. And I knew to look at this in these terms. He goes on, verse 15, and how can anyone preach or tell unless they are sent, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Nobody's going to tell unless they, with intentionality, go out and tell. So what Paul's saying here is, you don't, you don't stumble across this information. You don't trip and fall and, oh, I landed in a puddle of hope, right? It just doesn't work that way. There's an intentionality to it. People cannot believe in what they don't know. They, they cannot know unless they have heard. They cannot do math unless someone helps them do the math, and nobody's gonna help them do the math unless we set out to go help them do the math. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen in the culture. 
If it did, the Christmas spirit would change lives, and it doesn't, it goes away. It has to be deepened and moved from wishes to hope, and the people who have the hope must be the ones who go and proclaim the hope. How beautiful are those who come with the gospel. This is what happened, this is why, this is what God has done, right? You plus hope. So if you, don't ha- if you haven't received hope yet, that's kind of one set of conversations here that I, I, need to, I need to by faith accept all that we've talked about. If I'm a holder of hope, the scripture's clear that I'm not to be a hoarder of hope, and I, take, I help others do the math. I help them move through kind of this whole spectrum of, of things. So this is, our, this is our desire this Christmas season, that, that you plus hope. The, the question is, what, what would happen if, what, what would happen if, if we take ourselves, you, and we add in the, the power and the love of salvation, hope, Take you plus hope, how might God use you to deliver hope to people who don't know about it? And particularly in a season when there's an openness to hope. When I'm singing Silent Night and Joy to the World and All Come All Ye Faithful, I'm not hard-hearted to the things of God, I just don't know how to do the math. If I injected myself into that process, with intentionality, ready? Like God did my life. With intentionality, he stepped out of heaven. With intentionality, he was born of a virgin. With intentionality, he fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies, see? If I had that same intentionality and I taught, proclaimed, and shared, and embraced, you plus hope, what might God do through me? Now to help, help us get like this hooked in our, in our brain, I came up with what I call the, the U plus hope challenge. And I'm not asking you to sign up for anything and we're not gonna wear rubber bracelets and you don't have to get a tattoo, although if you want, it's fine, right? Uh, there, there's no formality, there's no organization to it. I just want this to hook in our, in our minds a little bit. That as I walk through the Christmas season, I want that question to hook. What could God do if I, with intentionality, decided to proclaim hope in the middle of all these wishes, what could God do through me as a deliverer or a messenger of hope? So there's three things that I'm asking that you, you think about and I want you to kind of wrestle with. So here's the first one. What could God do through you, you plus hope, if you prayed, if you prayed for those who struggle to find hope? What could God do if you prayed, right? If, if we believe that the hope of Christmas is that the creator of heavens and earth, the sustainer of my life, loved me enough to send his only son to rescue me from spiritual death, could I, what would happen if I, the, the Bible word is interceded, the normal way of saying that is if I prayed for somebody else. If I prayed for somebody that they simply discovered what I discovered, that Jesus is God, that I am a sinner, that he came to forgive me, not to zap me, what could God do through that if you prayed, you plus hope? So here's the challenge. 
What if you thought of one person in your life that you knew was struggling, maybe they're struggling with their faith, maybe they're struggling in life, whatever, wherever they're at, wherever they kind of lack hope, hope, right? And what if you prayed for that person once a day for 25 days, 25 days of Christmas, right? So what if just once a day, what if you just kind of hooked it in your brain and wrote it down somewhere and put the post-it note on your speedometer, that's where I put mine, that's the reason I get tickets, it's for Jesus, right? So put it, put it there where you remember things, where you'll see it, and all you're doing, it's, it's as simple as, I'm just gonna pray for them, I'm going to intercede, I'm gonna take their concern to God for them. And what if I did that? What would God do? What would it hurt? That's kind of an easy question, nothing. What could it help? That's a pretty massive question, a lot. You plus hope. What if you prayed for someone, one person, 25 days in a row, what, God, what might God do? Here's the second part of the hope challenge. Second thing, what could God do if you invited? What if you invited someone that you know, love, or even just know about into an environment where they could discover and experience hope? What if you invited them into an environment where they discovered and experienced hope? Now, what's an environment where you could discover or experience hope? So there's like the easy ones, like a option. One of many options is you can invite them to church, right? So we're gonna be talking about this kind of stuff all throughout the Christmas season. There are Christmas services that are gonna come near the end of the month. There's 16 different Christmas services. 16 different Christmas services. All are gonna have a fantastic presentation given by Jeff Book, right? So we're excited about that. Um, so, but there's, lot, there's plenty of seats, the extension's open. There's plenty of opportunities, all that. We kind of dealt with that as a, as a church family this year. So 16 opportunities. So it could be something as simple as, I'm gonna invite them to a service, okay? That's a option. Let me, let me tell you about another environment that you can invite someone into, ready? You can invite them into the environment of a cup of coffee. Where you look to someone, it's the intentionality. I'm praying for you, I'm inviting you, I'm just gonna check up on your life. We haven't hung out forever. I know you went through this loss. I know that the holidays oftentimes bring up more pain for you than joy. I know your stress, I know. Another environment, here's one, your home. Your home is an environment. We're gonna look, these neighbors, we've lived by these people forever, we never, never got to know them. I'm gonna go knock on their door, I'm gonna admit that I never got to know you. You guys wanna come over and hang out one night? Pizza, euchre, right? It's an environment I hope, I'm welcoming someone into my life, because me plus hope, where I go, hope goes with me, and I'm intentionally looking to create a relationship. I'm not, I'm not gonna stumble across it, like I came home and, what, you're in my house, well, we might as well have dinner, right? I'm not gonna stumble across it, I'm gonna create the environment, you plus hope. And there's a million more, you're smart, you can do your own math. So it can be, it can be the church, that's a, that's a viable option, but don't just think about it in like a one layer thing. Think about you engaging a relationship. And so you're looking to say, in the next 25 days, we're gonna to try to do that. I'm gonna do it as a family, I'm gonna do it as an individual. I know this person, I know this need, I, I just haven't caught up with them. You plus hope, right? So I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna invite, here's the third thing. I'm going to give, I'm going to give. 
Now, when I say give, as North Americans, we almost always think of something attached to money, okay? And I would say to you, that is a option for giving. And sometimes it's the appropriate option, right? So you can give a gift to someone, you can give uh, money to help somebody in need. There, there's a, the Hope Project out in the cafe. You can get one of those tags and give it. So one way to give is to give something that money is attached to. But that's a option. Here's another one. Um, I was talking to a friend uh, last week and they were telling me about this tension they had with their family, a family member. And they said, uh, yeah, I'm kind of dreading the holidays because we're gonna, I'm gonna have to be in the same room with this person and we're pretty tense. And I said to them, I said, you know, you ought to get out ahead of that. You ought to get out ahead of that. What if you broke the ice, went to them, apologized for your part, probably accepts some more responsibility than actually belongs to you so that there's peace, and what if you and that person walked into that environment at peace loving and enjoying each other, what kind of testimony would that be to everyone else in the family? You can give, ready, an apology. You can give peace. You can give time. Giving is when I take a part of me and I offer it to you. So sometimes there's money attached and sometimes it's very appropriate but don't, don't just make it one-dimensional. I can, I can give a part of me to alter a relational dynamic because me plus hope. Because of Christ in me, I'm gonna forgive as I've been forgiven. I'm gonna love as I've been loved. I'm gonna give the compassion of Christ. See, there's more than one way to give. So that's the hope challenge. What, it's just a question. What would happen, what could happen, what might happen if me plus hope, if I took the hope that's within me that came at Christmas, and I am one as a Christian that looks and says, I see the depth of all that's going on. I enjoy the party, it's no big deal, but man, if you really pressed in on me, this is what I care about. That hope has changed me, that hope has anchored me, that hope has secured me, and I wanna take myself in that, and I wanna invest it. What would happen? What would happen if I prayed for somebody for 25 days? What's the downside? What would happen if I invited somebody into my life, right? Or into my life again? What, what's, the, what's the big downside to that? Church, home, coffee, whatever, it doesn't matter. And what would happen if I decided to give? It was the intentional act. I'm doing it on purpose. Maybe money, but ton more things than just that. My time, my heart, my effort, see. you plus hope, the challenge. And what if that could hook in us a little bit and we were proclaiming the gospel because we were sent? See, I sent myself, we're doing it as a church family, we're sending, we're moving on purpose. How beautiful would that be to God when we take his intentionality expressed at Christmas, and we mimic it or act on it ourselves, okay? All right, so there's, there's two things. Number one, if you have never had a time in your life where you on purpose, not growing up in the church, not 
being a Christian Christmas person, right? I, I celebrate Christmas as something else. But were you on purpose of your own free will looked and said, Jesus, I choose to believe in you by faith. Would you forgive me of my sin? I want to invite you to direct and define my life. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do that this weekend, right, right now. No magic words, there's no secret prayer, there's no pinky handshake, you don't have to join the church, right, but from your heart to God's heart. Then the second question, what about the hope challenge? Dare you to do it, double dog dare you to do it, right? And just a little bit of a hook. What if, what if we just looked differently and said, you know what, this depth that I celebrate is gonna turn into action for me. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna give. Me plus hope. What could God do through it? All right. Okay. I'm going to ask the band to come out. And as they settle in, I want to pray for us. I encourage you to think about this, kind of marinate it in a little bit. Take the music that's going to follow here and just interact with God in that way. Right? Maybe you need to make a decision to accept hope, to receive it. Maybe you need to make the decision to act on it to pray, to invite, to give, between you and the Lord. But why don't you take these few moments and, and uh, process that through. Jesus, help us. Thank you so much for coming. You did it of your own free will. Thank you for giving yourself to us, providing a way of escape, God. Help us to recognize that. I think I sometimes have trouble remembering that I need that. I think too highly of myself. I trust my intentions instead of the truth of who I am. And so, God, thank you for while I'm a sinner, you came to me and you loved me and gave yourself to me. Thank you. God, for all of us, thank you for the season. Thanks for the vacation that it is. It's fun. It's all because of you. Every good thing is from you, so thank you. Of course, Lord, help it not to end there, but let us process it all the way through to the truth of who you are and the salvation that you offer. And God, those of us who have found that, help us to proclaim it, to be the feet, to bring the good news. So we love you, Jesus. Help us even through this time. In your name we pray. Amen.